Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And this time we'll return to 1993. Our previous episode was in the same time frame and on the same topic. This is a broadcast from March 14th of 1993, a KCBS special report on the story that had gripped Bay Area sports fans for month, the sale of the San Francisco Giants. As you may recall, just before a deal to sell the team to buyers in St. Petersburg, Florida was to be concluded, a group of local investors came forward. They were led by Safeway Store CEO Peter McGowan. They bought the Giants, and of course, as time would play out, it was that group that was able to pull together the deal to build the ballpark by the bay, now known as Oracle Park, and that ownership group, which of course triggered the Giants' later success, signing Barry Bonds, and eventually leading to the three world championships won by the team in the early part of the 21st century. KCBS radio sports anchor Steve Bitker produced this special report with assistance from Ron Lyons, a longtime member of the KCBS staff, best known on the air for his traffic reports, but known to all as an off-air raconteur, as well as a radio production wizard. On Tuesday, Major League Baseball owners formally approved the sale of the San Francisco Giants to local investors. Now, in a special edition of KCBS News Radio's In Depth, here is KCBS sports anchor Steve Bitker. A tradition nearly lost. The Giants baseball franchise, which began in New York. Then in 58, the Golden Gates saw the Giants marching in. And for local Giants fans, a narrow escape. Talking baseball. The Giants by the Bay. Which almost became the San Francisco Bay Blues. announced that he has reached an agreement in principle for the sale of the San Francisco Giants to Tampa Bay Ownership Group. But if she ever comes back to stay, it's going to be a brand new day. I would like to announce that the National League today disapproved the relocation of the San Francisco Giants to Tampa, St. Petersburg. In doing so, the league reaffirmed baseball's long-established preference for the stability of its franchises. What happened? 
How in those three months did the Giants go from almost certain goners to a saved franchise in what was certainly the top local sports story of the year? The wheels actually began turning back in January, just one week after Frank Jordan was inaugurated as the new mayor of San Francisco. Bob Lurie and San Francisco Mayor Susan Hammer announcing a deal to build a baseball-only stadium at Highway 237 and Zanker Road, subject to voter approval of a 2% hike in the utility tax. I stand before you today with every hope and every expectation that in a few short years the San Jose Giants will be playing just a few miles from here. And uh, today is the day that is going to set that whole uh, process in progress. So uh, I'm uh, very, very enthusiastic. Lurie was hopeful even after three failed ballot measures before, two in San Francisco. I can't wait to see the shovel get into the ground. I wish it could happen today, but it will happen soon, I'm sure. It may yet happen, but not as a result of the June election. The San Jose Ballpark Initiative losing decisively. A dejected Lurie saying later he would review his options beginning with a face-to-face -face meeting with baseball commissioner Faye Vincent. San Francisco is a serious problem. Uh, we have a ballpark that we cannot efficiently and with pleasure uh, continue to use. And uh, I have explained to Mr. Lurie that as far as I'm concerned, he ought to uh, consider all of his options. For several good reasons, said Vincent. The first was uh, a franchise which has been losing money. Uh, the second is a franchise where attendance is a problem. The third is a franchise where the facility is inadequate, out of date, and without any immediate prospect of being improved. And the last is a community which has, by vote or otherwise, indicated that baseball was no longer important. One of those options Vincent spoke of, of course, was selling the team. And sure enough, Lurie announced the team was on the market. And that while he would entertain local offers, he was giving San Francisco no particular advantage in the bidding. In short, Lurie had run out of patience with the local powers that be and the voters. Bob Lurie obviously had a reaction to the fact that this was a fourth ballot initiative that had been voted down. And so there was a level of anticipation as to what he might do. But clearly there was a feeling watching him after the election that he might well decide to do something dramatic with the team. Berkeley sports attorney Lee Steinberg believes most everybody underestimated Lurie's level of frustration. The uh, Giants uh, inner circle felt so strongly that they had exhausted every possible concept in terms of funding, a new way to put together a ballpark, profitability, that no one in their right mind could ever make the San Francisco Giants work in San Francisco. Steinberg entered the picture immediately after the June election at the request of Mayor Jordan to help recruit local investors in a last-ditch effort to salvage the franchise. Steinberg, his assistant Jeff Morad, and the mayor met at City Hall with Giants executives Corey Bush and Al Rosen just a week after the election. Bush said afterward the team was for sale. Jordan pledged his commitment to making sure the team stayed. What I want to see us do is to come together to preserve one of our city's most valuable treasures, and that is the San Francisco Giants. And Steinberg said flatly if Lurie followed through with plans to sell the team, 
local investors would be found to purchase the club and keep it in San Francisco. We cannot allow this team to leave. It sends the wrong message in terms of uh, the economic vitality of the Bay Area. Uh, a sports franchise is also a bit of cultural uh, Bay Area icona. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, Steinberg and Morad met with Lurie and offered to broker the deal to bring in a local buyer. Bob Lurie said, there's not going to be a local buyer. We said, well, well, what if we find you a local buyer? Uh, they weren't interested in, in that concept. Instead, Lurie sent Corey Bush to the East Coast to meet with groups in St. Petersburg, Buffalo, and Washington, D.C., groups hoping to purchase the Giants and bring them east. And speaking at the Suncoast Dome in St. Petersburg in late June, Bush made the Giants' intentions very clear. Well, communities don't build ballparks for sports owners. They build ballparks for the community. Uh, we're standing in a facility that was built for this community because of the tremendous benefit it can bring to a community. Um, and uh, the people in the Bay Area and San Francisco and San Jose and Santa Clara have all had an opportunity to do that for the community and chose to use their resources in other ways. As June turned to July, media speculation increased that Lurie was about to announce a deal with Tampa St. Pete. Another Giants executive, Duffy Jennings, seemed to prepare the way. I think there are some people, their suggestions made that, that, the, that Bob is turning his back on the city. It's quite the contrary. Bob still loves San Francisco. It may be more the question of whether the city has turned its back on Bob Lurie. Sure enough, on August 7th, before dozens of media and hundreds of fans, St. Petersburg assistant city manager Rick Dodge made the big announcement that Lurie had sold the Giants to a group of Tampa Bay investors. To relocate the team to Tampa Bay, beginning for the 1993 baseball season. Despite the euphoria, a prophetic word of caution was issued by one of the chief architects of the deal, Florida utility boss Jack Critchfield. Baseball works in mysterious ways. Uh, if anything, in the last 14 months, I've learned that. We have every right to believe that this is going to happen just as surely as it has been announced. I would say to you all, let's keep one caution. Caution was pretty much thrown aside in the Tampa-St. Pete area, however. A Tampa radio station began calling itself the official giant station. Tampa Bay Giants t-shirts were selling like hotcakes. And a move meter began appearing daily in the Tampa Tribune, suggesting the Giants were 98% gone from San Francisco. While the headline of the Chronicle Sporting Green said, Giant Shockwaves. In the Examiner front page, Bye Bye Baby. And in the Mercury News, say it ain't so. Among those KCBS got immediate reaction from was former Giants pitcher Mike Kruko. I was sick when I thought about it. I called up uh, Duffy Jennings, the uh, PR man for the, the Giants, and uh, he confirmed it, and I was, uh, I've been shell-shocked since. I just uh, the thought of uh, San Francisco without a Major League Baseball team makes me sick. But while most local sports writers, including Art Spander, Bruce Jenkins, and Leonard Coppett, Mark Purdy, John Marvel, and Ray Ratto, all said the Giants were history, giving them no chance of staying, Lee Steinberg said nobody should regard the Giants' sale as a done deal. No one in the Bay Area should take this as a fait accompli. The commissioner needs to approve a sale, and the other National League owners need to approve a sale. Steinberg wasn't the only key figure who fully expected Lurie to sell the team to out-of-town investors, and yet who did not regard the sale as a fait accompli. His longtime friend Larry Baer, a fourth-generation San Franciscan and a CBS executive based in New York, began working with a group of San Franciscans three years ago in an effort to save the Giants after the third failed stadium measure and began working with Ron Blattman, the mayor's director of economic development, back in January, just in case the San Jose initiative failed as well. 
all that legwork began paying off. In 1989, there were some of the people who are in our group now were uh, looking at, at uh, putting up some money if, if need be. And this year, that effort on your part accelerated with Ron Blattman, correct? Right, and then we had the, the mayor's office was terrific, uh, and Ron and Lee and, and a lot of people were involved. I think, you know, primarily you had a situation where when Walter Shorenstein got in the deal and when the mayor brought Walter in, as we said, uh, you know, his Rolodex belongs in the Smithsonian. He knows a lot of people, and Walter really was able to galvanize the effort, and Walter was spectacular and, and uh, brought, the, brought the whole thing uh, forward. Walter Shorenstein, of course, one of the key local investors. But what all the local investors agreed on at the time was the need for a majority investor, someone who saw his duty as more than just a civic one, someone who truly dreamed of owning a team. Almost before the print had dried on those gloomy August 8th banner headlines, Portola Valley Cable Television executive H. Irving Grossbeck's name surfaced as the possible missing piece of the puzzle. The Tampa deal was reported to be in the $115 million range, so the question for Grossbeck was, after reviewing Giants financial records, would he be willing to invest at least $50 million of his own to lead the local investor group? The answer came August 11th. No, I've made an irrevocable decision. I've spent a couple of weeks working really hard with the information I have, which I consider to be reasonably complete, and have reached an irrevocable decision not to proceed. Grossbeck not only pulled out, recalls Steinberg. But he announces that the reason he's pulling out is because the economics of the Giants don't work, and no rational businessman could ever by uh, uh, the Giants and make those economics work. Well, this is truly wonderful. So immediately, the need was urgent to replace Grossbeck with another majority investor, with baseball owners scheduled to meet and possibly vote on the sale September 8th in St. Louis. And that's when George Shin came in. The owner of the NBA Charlotte Hornets had been mentioned previously as a possible investor with the Tampa St. Pete Group and had spoken with the mayor's office here back in July, suggesting his own involvement in the local effort should Grossbeck drop out. Bayer met with Shin in Charlotte, briefed him on the local investor group, the headstrong and influential Shorenstein in particular, and on August 24th, the two flew aboard Shin's private jet to San Francisco. They all met in the mayor's office, after which Shin met with the local press before heading out to Candlestick with Jordan for a Giants-Mets game, Shin following Shorenstein to the microphones. Walter, you sound like a great politician. I will say, he said a lot, but didn't say anything. Uh, left it all to me. Uh, he said that they uh, examined me pretty well. Walter was the chief proctologist in that meeting. I want you to know that. And they examined me thoroughly. Shin's idea was to combine 25 to $40 million of his own cash with $5 million investments by at least 10 local investors each. And our goal is very simple. Uh, we hope to put together and hope our goal is to put together a presentation next week to deliver to Major League Baseball to keep the San Francisco Giants where they belong in San Francisco. A week later on September 4th, a packed press conference at the Mandarin Hotel in San Francisco heard Mayor Jordan say San Francisco was ready to compete with Tampa Bay head on through the assistance of National League President Bill White. A local investor group is prepared to make an offer to purchase the San Francisco Giants. That's the good news. I have requested that he advise me as to the method of how he would like the, the proposal submitted to the baseball world. And Mr. White suggested 
that I personally meet with him to discuss the appropriate time and manner in which to present this proposal. With George Shin ready to assume the duties as the Giants new managing general partner. You know, I'm extremely gratified and just consider myself very fortunate to have an opportunity to uh, operate uh, a club like the Giants with the history they have in one of the most beautiful cities in, in the country. And speaking publicly for the first time as a key investor, but certainly not for the last time, Safeway Chairman and CEO Peter McGowan. I grew up in New York and I saw the Giants and the Dodgers leave from there. I work in Oakland and I saw the Raiders go from there. And I think I have a feeling for what the loss of a franchise can mean to the community. It isn't something that we want to go through here in San Francisco. Three days later, September the 7th, Jordan leads a delegation of seven to New York City to meet with the National League president. But first, Jordan's group met for breakfast at the Plaza Hotel to discuss strategy. I feel that the real issue is letting the baseball world know the coalition we have, the uh, excellent investors, the uh, credibility and the capital that they bring with them literally would be much better for baseball across the country by leaving the Giants there with our investors. Investors whose capital, said Jordan, exceeded $10 billion. Funding wasn't the problem, he added. They just wanted a reasonable price. The meeting with White lasted about two and a half hours, after which Jordan's group met with a small press contingent outside Major League Baseball offices on Park Avenue. The mayor saying he got Bill White's assurance that the baseball owners would not vote on the giant sale during their meetings the following three days in St. Louis. What he said was that, uh, that, that well, we're not on the agenda and St. Petersburg is not on the agenda. And that uh, he sees that we have a realistic, uh, viable group of people. He wants to get more further information, as so do we. We feel that we need additional information uh, regarding uh, financial records of the Giants and, and some more information on the St. Petersburg uh, offer and that uh, he will pursue that through his office. The mayor was soundly criticized for not going on to St. Louis for the baseball owners' meetings, but he was placing his trust in Bill White to carry the torch, so to speak, for the San Francisco effort. The owners began arriving in St. Louis that night, along with the would-be owner, Vincent Namoli from Tampa Bay, a special guest of Bob Lurie's. Bob Lurie is one of the finest individuals I have ever met, and I've met a lot of people in my life. He's a man of highest integrity. And, and we have had a wonderful relationship with him in a short amount of time when we've known him. So I, I, have, I, have, I have no reason to think anything except he, he's a wonderful man of, of highest integrity. Namoli admittedly antsy for a vote on the sale and move to Tampa Bay, saying he couldn't guarantee that fellow investors would stay with the deal if the uncertainty went beyond October the 1st, in part because of months of work that still needed to be done on the Suncoast home to get it ready for baseball. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic, but, but I, I don't know for sure. Two days later, after extensive owners' meetings, the National League president made the announcement that Giants fans here wanted to hear, but one that Vincent Namoli didn't, that he was giving San Francisco a window of opportunity to keep the Giants, that the league would accept a counteroffer, that it would not violate Lurie's exclusive deal with Tampa Bay. Bob is a man of his word, and he has given uh, the St. Petersburg uh, group his word that he will not accept an offer. However, said White, I will accept an offer. And then, the league will have to decide what they will do with that offer. White insisting he wasn't taking sides in the battle for the Giants. All we're doing is making sure that uh, the people in San Francisco have the opportunity uh, to, to keep that club there. White's actions on behalf of the San Francisco effort were met with mixed reactions by baseball owners. The Dodgers' Peter O'Malley openly supported the Giants staying if the local group had the necessary dollars and the commitment to building a new stadium. 
O'Malley saying he was receiving about 800 postcards a day from Giants fans urging him to vote against the Florida move, adding he had never received such a volume of mail from fans about anything. On the other hand, the Cardinals' Fred Kuhlman just as clearly supported the Giants' move to Florida. Although as head of the game's ownership committee, he understood White's actions. It's important for us to maintain the value and the existence of present franchises and not move them unless it's absolutely necessary to do so. That's what Bill White is trying to carry out. Baseball owners, meantime, were in no hurry to resolve the Giants' dilemma, in part because they had major problems of their own to work out, not the least of which was finding a new commissioner to replace Faye Vincent, who was forced to resign in early September. The owners were anxious, however, to receive a specific offer from the San Francisco group, which kept insisting it needed to see the Giants' financial records first. And that couldn't happen until everybody and their uncle were indemnified. Baseball by the investors, the investors by the Board of Supervisors. The books finally arrived in early October, and Bill White met with the investor group in San Francisco. It was an excellent meeting. I think it was very informative for uh, the National League and for baseball. I think that uh, Walter Shorenstein and the San Francisco group uh, understand uh, uh, what the uh, what baseball wants. Uh, I, I've got to stress it was a very, very, very positive meeting, and we expect uh, within a week or so uh, that uh, we'll be hearing from uh, the San Francisco group and we'll have an offer from them. An offer with a specific dollar figure, finally. But, recall Steinberg... Again, there was disagreement. There were uh, people in our inner council who argued very strongly that the price would never be above $70, 75000000 million. My own feeling was that $100 million was probably the right figure. By now, it was becoming increasingly clear that the presence of George Shin as the group's major investor was becoming more of a liability. Several team owners had serious doubts about Shin's background. Not to mention the fact that he was not a Northern California resident. Shin's fellow investors, for various other reasons as well, had good reason to believe that their chances of receiving a favorable vote from the owners might be directly contingent on replacing Shin as head of the group. On Friday, October 9th, the partnership with Shin came apart, resulting in banner newspaper headlines in the local papers proclaiming the local effort dead. But in fact, Peter McGowan, with 10 years plus as a member of the Giants' board of directors, took over Shin's role as the group's managing general partner and flew to New York Monday morning the 12th to personally present a formal offer to Bill White. Shin's $20 million investment was made up by a combination of existing and new investors so that by Monday, a list of more than a dozen investors with a firm price was presented to White. We are able to announce a deal to purchase the San Francisco Giants for $95 million firm offer, and I believe a credible offer. Later that evening at the Plaza Hotel, McGowan gave KCBS an exclusive interview, discussing in detail his love of baseball dating back to his childhood in New York, his days as an undergraduate at Stanford where he graduated in 64, followed by postgraduate work at both Oxford and Johns Hopkins, his climbing of the corporate ladder at Safeway, and yet through it all, a persistent dream remained. I've always had the thought that I'd like to be uh, part of an ownership group of the Giants. It's the only team I'd have any interest in having any ownership group of. And now a major step had been taken in achieving that dream. Well it is a big step but it really isn't over either. I mean I feel very exhilarated and excited that we were able to get to this position to make a credible offer of 95 million dollars for the team. But uh, I'd caution that uh, there's a big difference between making a fair and credible offer and having uh, Bob Lurie and Major League Baseball 
accept it. Yes, how would the owners vote? How would Bob Lurie react to the local offer? I don't know uh, how they're going to vote. I hope that they would see the logic of trying to keep baseball in San Francisco. Um, we've been here for 35 years. We've got a credible group that wants to keep us here. Um, and, you know, does baseball really want to abandon a market that they have enjoyed being in, I think, for a long time? And as for Lurie, did he really want to see the team stay in San Francisco under new ownership, different from his? I certainly would hope so. And I really think deep in his heart, Bob would like to see the team stay in San Francisco. He's been here all his life. He loves baseball. Uh, I would think something would go out of his life if National League Baseball and the Giants weren't here. Um, but those are questions better asked of Bob than me. But of course, Lurie wasn't talking on advice of his attorneys pending the resolution of the Giants' sale. Other high-level executives in the Giants' front office were, though, and they hadn't said anything complimentary regarding the local investor group. McGowan pondered why. If they were going to sell maybe to a local ownership group, they would like to sell to a truly local ownership group, and maybe they didn't characterize as our efforts with uh, George Shin from North Carolina as uh, local. Um, uh, he might have had something to do with uh, their reaction. McGowan figured baseball owners would finally vote on the Giants' sale one way or the other within a month. His gut feeling? My gut feeling is that the Giants are going to stay in San Francisco. In the following month, modifications were made on the offer, conditions were dropped, and the investors finally raised their bid to an even $100 million. Monday, November the 9th in Scottsdale, Arizona, owners began gathering for three days of meetings. Most were tight-lipped about the inevitable Giants' vote. But the Dodgers O'Malley, by now a longtime lobbyist on behalf of the local investors, confided to KCBS that he had the votes necessary to block the Tampa deal. And the Texas Rangers' George W. Bush seemed in agreement. You know, I hate to see uh, franchises moving willy-nilly, and if there is a legitimate buyer in San Francisco uh, where the playing field is as level as possible, that, uh, that we have to give San Francisco group serious consideration. The vote took place the next day after a five-hour joint National and American League meeting and then another hour of separate meetings. The vote was announced to a packed press conference at 5 p.m. November the 10th by the head of baseball's executive council, Milwaukee's Bud Selig. I would like to announce that the National League today disapproved the relocation of the San Francisco Giants to Tampa St. Petersburg. In doing so, the league reaffirmed baseball's long-established preference for the stability of its franchises. The 9-4 vote against the move, climaxing an incredible 95-day span, beginning with the August 7th announcement in St. Pete that the Giants were Florida-bound. The vote was consistent with baseball's philosophy on franchise shifts over the past two decades. Selig said it's unavoidable in situations like this that people in one part of the country will be very unhappy. One of the things that you have to do as the, uh, as the uh, custodians of the game of any particular generation is try to do what you believe, even though it might be controversial, and I understand that it's controversial in some places, and there are some times in life you can't please everybody, is to do what you think is in the best interest of all parties related to the game, and that's the fans and so on and so forth. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that after a lot of agonizing and a lot of thought and a lot of thought-provoking processes, that that's what the National League did today. Bob Lurie was most gracious in a two-and-a-half-page prepared statement he read to the press, saying he honored the Tampa Bay deal to the best of his ability, but... I've always respected baseball's rules, which require a vote of all owners to approve the sale and relocation of teams. 
I made a commitment to abide by baseball's decision in this matter, and I intend to honor that commitment as well. The San Francisco Investor Group has provided me 10 days to review the details of their offer to purchase the Giants. I have instructed my attorneys to begin that review immediately, and I can assure you that it will not take them 10 days to complete the task. And lest anyone feel that Lurie would not deal with the McGowan Group in good faith... I want to congratulate Peter McGowan and the entire San Francisco Investor Group and everyone throughout the Bay Area who worked so hard to keep the Giants in San Francisco. I know the feeling they have today. I had that same wonderful feeling in 1976. When he bought the Giants from Horace Stoneham at the last minute and saved the franchise from being sold and moved to Toronto. Former Giants pitcher Mike Kruko again, one of the first to react on KCBS to news that the Giants were apparently not going to Florida. Hey, are you kidding? I'm psyched. Let the people in Tampa go out and buy a TV set. There no hardcore Giants fans there. They're in San Francisco, and that's where that team belongs. That's where it's staying, and justice was served today. And although the replacement of George Shin by Peter McGowan at the critical 11th hour in October probably saved the franchise for San Francisco, Lee Steinberg recalls the Charlotte Hornets owner should not be forgotten by Giants fans. It bears remembering in this whole process that had George Shin not stepped forward at a critical point, we would not have saved the Giants because uh, the process would have gone like a steamroller. And was there any point in the entire 95-day process that Larry Baer, about to become the Giants' new executive vice president, feared the effort would fail? About a dozen different times. (laughs) There were so many times, Steve, where... You know, that where there, you know, we were told by other owners, or we were told by uh, the media, or we were told by uh, by political leaders that it just wasn't going to happen for X, Y, Z reason. And it just, as as Peter McGowan said, he's a constructive op- optimist, and you have to be a constructive optimist, or you don't go anywhere uh, on, on this kind of a situation. So, for the second time since they moved west in '57, the Giants came within an eyelash of being sold to outside interests and moving to Toronto in '76, to Tampa Bay in '92. In 76, it was Bob Lurie, Bud Herseth, and George Moscone who led the effort to save the franchise for San Francisco. In 92, it was Frank Jordan, Peter McGowan, Walter Shorenstein, Larry Bayer, and Lee Steinberg. How would it have been to lose the Giants? You only have to ask a New York fan about the loss of the Giants in 57. When you lose a baseball team, you lose something that you're never going to get back again. While it's there, you don't think it's important. Mm -hmm. But once it's gone, it leaves an awful hole in your everyday existence. Crack a throw. There's a long strike. I can't be, I believe. The Giants won the pennant. The Giants won the pennant. So for Giants fans, the tradition will continue in San Francisco. Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. What if she ever come back to stay? There's a whole new future beginning today. I can't say how excited I am to have the opportunity to go back home and have something to share with my family and and the city that I grew up in. A Tradition Nearly Lost was written and narrated by Steve Bitker and produced by Ron Lyons. In-depth is a public affairs presentation of KCBS News Radio 74. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. 
On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.